Hello, everybody. This is Zach with Heal Your Tribe with another episode of the Heal Your Tribe podcast. This is a, kind of a special podcast since we're not going to be talking about combo directly nor ayahuasca directly, although those things will be part of the conversation. That said, I am sitting here with Miguelito. Hello, everybody. Um, and first, thanks for taking the time to listen to this uh, podcast. We love doing these. Um, and so the more that you can validate our, our, our spending the time and talking about stuff we love to talk about, the better. Yeah. So thank you. They're, they're super fun. And to your point, Zach, today it's kind of different because we're flipping the script a uh, little bit. Yeah. And today I get to interview you. Mm-hmm. So... You've been on this broad medicine journey for how long now? Oh, overall, um, since, well, technically 2009, but seriously started training um, in Peru in 2010. So was that 12 years? Um, yeah. Yeah. And primarily that's been in the world of Amazonian plant medicine and going through that process, but a little while ago you started feeling the itch for something new. Yeah, um, yeah, I, I had uh, I've got all these people around me, you, uh, Jess, my wife, and, and and to a certain extent Krista too. Um, all of y'all have competencies, uh, mass, mastery, no, mastery, yes, mastery in other areas. So Jess has really gone, um, really far with obviously combo. I consider myself a, um, competent combo practitioner, although I, it's not my fastball. Um, I would say I'm good at it, but again, it's not my—it's not my passion, not my fastball, um, but it, it certainly is Jess's. And Jess also has uh, taken things to the next level in regards to sound healing. She, um, after a long time being a practitioner, she went on <clears throat> to become a teacher of, of sound healing. And again, I'm a—I'm a. I'm a I'm a capable sound healer. <laughs> I feel like you're selling yourself short a little bit there. Oh, well. Um, but, you know, I, I, I'm not diving deep into sound healing. I'm not going out and getting my teacher's certificate um, to teach other teachers. What, what is her title exactly? Uh, she is a trainer of trainers, I believe. Uh, um, okay. Or a trainer of practitioners. Dr. Paul Hubbard and the Holographic Sound Institute... Uh, which is where Jess did her training through, are wonderful, and I'm not fully sure what their titles are. Right, yeah. Um, So, sorry, Dr. Paul Hubbard, if we messed up on that. Um, But, so the point being is, um, I felt a couple of things. One is, I wanted to expand my repertoire um, beyond uh, plant medicine. And two... um, I really felt like you know our lineage on the so our lineage on the ayahuasca and plant medicine side uh, is mestizo, which mestizo means uh, mixed blood um, or mixed culture, however you want to look at it. 
And while I believe that mixture or bringing in other elements into the, the, the shamanic uh, practice and context brings some wonderful gifts, um, the, it's also a little bit more separated from the indigenous um, uh, practices. And so I was like, yeah, I'd really like to reconnect with that because I, I have an indigenous background myself um, to a certain extent. <laughs> uh, don't want to say, yeah, anyway, another subject. Um, so I, I was really looking, looking to reconnect, um, particularly the nature, Pachamama, the directions, the... Um, uh, more animal spirits um, that are somewhat lacking in the mestizo lineage that I studied with. The mestizo lineage that I studied with for ayahuasca and um, uh, plant medicine was largely Catholic. That you know, obviously there is a strong relationship with the plants and the trees. But there wasn't like calling in the four directions. There wasn't this um, idea of reciprocity or the Aini, um, or they weren't overt with that. And um, so, yeah, that was part of the big part of my calling to go beyond that lineage. Yeah, the expansion of your own journey into what it sounds like is the medicine wheel. Yes. Really. Yes. Uh, and through that kind of yearning yeah what did you encounter i i randomly one of one of our uh guests and actually he's training with us uh on the plant medicine side uh terry said hey have you heard of this guy alberto Viodo? and uh i ha had although i'd never had not gone deeply into his material um, and Terry kept asking me questions um, as it relates to what Alberto Viola was saying about the four directions and, and various aspects of that lineage as it relates to ours. And I was like, yeah, we don't really do that. <laughs> da, da, da. But he had um, sparked my interest. And I started um, by reading one of Viola's books. And I don't remember which. I think it was The Illumination Process. And... Um, Subsequent to reading that book, I looked at their website, uh, the Four Winds Society website, and checked out their courses, went through a process of um, really kind of having a hard time because, you know, middle of COVID, they had some in-person training, uh, residency training, um, various parts of the world, and... Um, they were saying that they were going to do a training in Joshua Tree, which I thought would have been awesome. But when I talked to the academic advisor, um, he indicated that we weren't sure because of COVID that they would have a, a live training. And so I was the, the what that left me with the option of the online training, which I was super skeptical of. I'm like, one, this doesn't have plant medicine. And two, how are we going to do these particular, one of the most important things about this training are the rites wherein um, you receive um, transmissions um, from the teachers, various teachers, uh, including the Quero, 
the Kero, which is the where the lineage is from. Uh, the Kero tribe is up in the Andes. Uh, we can get into that story if you want, but um, a big part of this is uh, are are the are the rights that we receive, the the transmissions that we receive, we receive. And I was like, how's that happen when we're so far apart? And the other question is, how does one with this training, how does one do the sessions via Zoom? And the academic advisors like, dude, this is all I do, and all of my work is done online from a distance. And I'm like, really? And um, in spite of my skepticism, I signed up, and it's not a, it's a, it's, it's an expensive course, um, but I was. You know, the more I looked at it, it was like, oh, this is this is significant. It's like they've distilled down what used to be a three-year program into six months, and that six months can be distilled down into one month if you go do a residential training. And we can talk about. I'm I'm now in retrospect super happy that I did the six-month uh, distance training because it's already freaking intense as it stands i can't imagine doing this in a month there's no yeah i, I yeah it's yeah, <laughs> too mean, much <laughs> i i've been watching you do your homework for this program and delve into it and it is time intensive mm. for sure um i can imagine that in a one month condensed process you're just going non-stop and yeah. that seems very potentially draining on the energetic body as mm. it goes through this expansion process. Yeah, I, I would... I don't, I don't know if draining on the energetic body... Because I'm finding this work to be exceptionally energizing, mm-hmm. um, whereas uh, plant medicine work can be, if not... I'm guilty of this, but going too hard, too long, um, and getting exhausted... Um, but I'm sure that I can reach that point with this this type of work as well. It's nice to both see and feel the energizing aspect that you've had with this work. Yeah. Which leads to a question that both I have and probably the people who are listening have, yeah. which is, what exactly is this work that you're doing? Yeah, so it's... Um, it is... A, a series of um, protocols, for lack of a better term, that um, is essentially pure energy medicine. There's no there's no substance ingested. There's no substance applied, um, and it is um, all based around. I mean, the the foundational process is called the illumination process. And the idea, not the idea, the way it works, um, is, look, we, we've all got these, what they call imprints, that are out in our luminous uh, energy field. And those imprints, our luminous energy field is like a, um, what's that, it's shaped like a donut, what's that called? Uh, oh, the, I'm thinking of a Vesica Pisces, but it's a, search of the T. Taurus, a Taurus, Taurus, right? So the our luminous energy field is a Taurus, with our, our central channel, energetic channel, being the center of that Taurus, which looks like a big donut. Um, and we get through traumas and so forth, whether it be this lifetime or previous lifetimes, we get what are called imprints. And these imprints start out in our luminous uh, energy field, start moving 
towards our physical body. So it'll start impacting um, our mental and emotional self um, before the physical manifestation of illness starts to come forth. Um, and it manifests in patterns that we just do over and over and over again. And the idea is, not the, again, not the idea, the way it works, is this process of illumination is, one, first we have to identify the pattern, and that's, that's the work that the individual who is receiving the um, session has to be able to do, is recognize, hey, there's a pattern. I know what the feeling is, is when that pattern happens. I can feel it happen, but I have little or no control over the pattern happening. So with that awareness, we can bring that forth, clean out the, um, the imprint and the energy associated with that imprint such that the pattern just disappears. <laughs> you, you've had it done. Is, is that how you would describe it? Because you've done how many? I've done, I think... Three illuminations and one soul retrieval. And one soul retrieval. Yeah, uh, yeah. It, it is how it works, and it's astonishing. Uh, I too am just skeptical broadly, uh-huh. and so uh, here's this energy work, and it's you know, it's it's I, not dramatic either. It's not. It, it's very much so calming mm-hmm. and present mm-hmm. and. I think the best analogy that I have for it, and let me know if this rings true, it's the erasing of samskaras. Mm-hmm. It's, you know, kind of, if you think about the illumina- illumination process being the fresh snowfall on these grooves that have been mm-hmm. created over time, it's like, well, now that the fresh snow is there, you can go anywhere you want on the mountain again right. <laughs> without falling into those same patterns. Right, right. So... Yeah. But I, I do want to add something really important, and this is ha- something that um, I noticed was a deficiency in my training in the plant medicine world. And according to Alberto Violdo, um, the lead head dude, <laughs> uh, it's quite common in healing, uh, shamanic healing arts, is that it's one thing to clear out the imprint and the energy um, in that in turn removes the affinity. That is, you won't draw that energy back to you. A lot of shamanic healers, um, and I don't think they do it on purpose, although he, he uh, Alberto Yildo talks about how in the jungle in particular, they're, 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 um, it's a good business model not to clear out the affinity because they keep coming back. They'll feel good for a while, and then they keep coming back. And so that clearing out the affinity part is something that I was not trained in. Um, it doesn't mean that in jungle jungle plant medicine people don't do it, but it was never the whole time I was in Peru four and a half years doing nothing but dietas and ayahuasca. There was never commentary of like, okay, we've cleaned out the energy now we got to clear out the affinity as well. So we're not drawing that energy back in uh, at a later date. 
um, that's a huge difference. Um, now, that's not to say that someone um, actively can call it back in. You see what I'm saying? You see the, the nuance, the difference there? Yeah. If, if somebody is like, great, I don't have this affinity anymore. I feel good. Uh-huh. And then like... But I'd like to have that affinity again. Mm-hmm. <laughs> they can they can grasp after it. Yeah, sure. You can you can re-traumatize yourself. <laughs> it's kind of it's a sort of re-traumatizing if you will. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So that's an interesting dynamic that you weren't trained in that, and that for the past eleven to twelve years, you haven't been doing that release of the affiliation or affinity affinity. Yeah. Um, so. What kind of personal growth have you seen in your own path in this short amount of time? Oh my god! That you've been doing the Four Winds Society work. Yeah. So, and and I will bounce this back to you because you you live with me and you you <laughs> <laughs> because I can sit here and go, well, this has changed, that's changed, but without that, you know, the validation, that like, yeah, that's actually changed. I'm happy to judge your experience for you. Please <laughs> <laughs> judge and interpret away if you want. Um, well, you know, and this was very frustrating, a point of frustration for me after, I don't know, 1,200 ayahuasca ceremonies, at least 100 dietas, still having these issues. Um, and largely around... Um, around um, anger, frustration. Um, there was there was one, and I don't think I shared this with y'all, but the, uh, just kind of a dread of doing retreats. Just the thought of a retreat was just like, oh, I don't want to. Um, also scarcity um, that uh, has, has played um, a big... <laughs> And that and that's a big role in my life, and kind of stayed uh, through, um, even in spite of uh, my work with ayahuasca and plant medicine, <clears throat> um, until I, I discovered um, this this uh, training program. And yeah, a big part, of, to be clear, just like our ayahuasca training program for others, a key part is healing yourself so that you have you're a clean vessel to to deliver uh medicine in this case energy medicine uh, to others but um so worked on scarcity worked on uh anger worked on even got more refined uh, refinement or, i mean sorry um uh, anger um even more refined in the sense of um, correct how to correct people when I discover something's off uh, in the physical world without being a complete dick about it. That was, it was that was the most re- one of the more recent patterns was like I can literally walk into a room and within ten seconds tell you what's wrong with the room. Like that dish is not supposed to be there. That you know someone left uh, someone left a pan in the <laughs> in the oven um, and. No matter how hard I tried to deliver the message softly and with compassion or humor, what have you, it would come out 
angry or with an energy of anger around it. I mean, you were on the receiving end of that. Yeah, I mean, I think within our household in particular, I see it come out more than it's directed to me. Mm -hmm. Um, But I can note that your approach has dramatically shifted um, since your recent soul retrieval, which we can talk about if, if you're up for it. Yeah. Um, but yeah, you know, this concept of, we can, that skill set of, this thing is out of place. Yeah, it's a useful skill set. Totally useful. Yeah. And when that thing is out of place, the communication around how that thing is out of place, whether we comment at all, and if we do comment, what is the energy behind that commentary? Mm-hmm. That's a different ball of wax completely yeah. than just the skill set of yeah. things seem off. Right. So, yeah, I've seen the changes. One of, I don't know if you remember um, one of the big gigantic shift. Uh, one of the things that we do in the, the Four Winds, uh, the, it's called the Four Winds Society by uh, Alberto Vildo, the lead teacher. And one of the things we uh, learn is to do um, entity and energy extractions. And when it, that part of the course came forth, specifically around entities, I read the description of what an entity, how it, it can manifest. Um, and upon reading that, I was like, oh my God, I've got an entity attached to me. And it had been attached to me for five years. It was a um, a relative who had died and died in fear. And so, what happens? And this is somewhat common <laughs> um, when a when someone dies unconsciously and particularly in fear, that spirit will look to jump to to another um, to uh, because it's scared. It doesn't. It, it, it doesn't want to die because it doesn't understand death and it hasn't accepted death. And um, so I had picked one of those up. <laughs> uh, my rel- One of my relatives had jumped on and I can, l- l- part of how I came to that conclusion or understanding was I, I looked back five years to when they died and I could see a change in behavior in terms, particularly around reactivity, around um, anger, around um, scarcity, uh, to a certain degree, not, uh, I went deeper on that too. But um, yeah, it was like, holy shit, I've, <laughs> I've got an entity. <laughs> and um, promptly called my practice partner and said, hey, I'm pretty sure I've got an entity and can you check in on it? And she checked in on it and she's like, yep. Uh, let's get together on Tuesday and, and let them, take them to the take them to the light. So part of the process of extracting um, an entity that's attached is um, sending that entity uh, with the lineage, the the, the lineage uh, that Alberto Viodo brings. Um, those medicine people, the luminous. Uh, luminous beings that are medicine people of the past will guide that spirit into the um, celestial realms for healing before releasing. So it's a wonderful 
way for uh, for the entity to be released. Whereas, you know, an exorcism, an exorcism is like just send them to hell kind of thing. You know, just drop them wherever. Whereas in this process, the entity is pulled out um, and released in a way that's heal- comfortable and healing so that it's actually, a, it's the betterment uh, for, uh, in, in the highest good of all. Yeah, it seems far more compassionate to the spirit than, yeah. Rah, yeah, get, get out, out of here. Yeah, yeah. You know, it, it's interesting. Do you think that the entities that get released broadly uh-huh. are attracted to pre-existing patterns that we already have in... Well, no. It's actually... Um, and I, this is going to sound... Boast. I don't want it to sound boastful, but it, it, it the when a, someone dies in fear, that spirit will look for a relative or someone close that is of a higher consciousness or spirit who who is spiritually aware. If that makes it, it's so the entity or a person when they die, that spirit's gonna look for the closest light they put, that they know of, mm-hmm. and that's actually the extraction process. Is it? We use an extraction crystal, which is this ultra pure uh, crystal, and it's very inviting because the all the, the spirit wants to do is go to light, and so this this bright crystal. Is like, come on, let's, let's go, let's go, and they go into the literally go into the crystal, and then uh, once it's in the crystal, we take that crystal and um, do a do a, a small ceremony um, to release it, and and again, it's it's going light, 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 and so it's attracted, those spirits or entities are attracted to light, um, and so whoever's on a relative basis is the brightest light. In their 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 constellation, um, there was no pun intended there, but um, it's a synchronous. That, that's where they'll they'll try to go. Um, but I don't want to. Again, I don't want to be like, oh, that was the brightest light. <laughs> oh, sure, that would only dim your own star by saying that. Yes. <laughs> uh, you know, it, it strikes me, and I'm curious to hear more about the soul retrieval uh-huh. aspect. Partially because my one experience with that was stellar. Yeah. Um, you know, we're in a really interesting time globally. Uh-huh. And there are a lot of different perspectives on it. Sure. Uh, but there has been a certain amount, undoubtedly, of, of death that yeah. has occurred. Yeah. And so within this training that you've had, uh-huh. you know... Do you feel like it's coming at a specific time for a specific reason uh, hmm. to help transition into something new, or is it just a coincidence? Yeah, I mean that that's um, interesting you bring that up because um, the Quiero that uh, Alberto Viodo works with, um, they when the conquistadors came. Um, must have been 500 years ago um, they didn't hang out and fight they went up way high in the mountains and hid for 500 years and it's 
they saw the they they saw the conquistadors coming, and it was at a time of what they call a, a Pachacuti, um, and Pachacuti is when everything shifts. Um, it's almost like the world turns upside down. So when the conquistadors came, that was a time of Pachacuti. So everything flipped. And then <clears throat> they hit out for five, 500 more years. Um, well, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. The conquistadors came and then they hid um, for 500 years. Uh, the reason they left is they saw it coming and they went up and to the mountains to hide. So now, 500 years later, they're like, oh, we got to go back down. So in 1949, they came out of the mountains uh, and met with the rest of the the uh, Indian, um, the, the remaining Incas, um, and said, okay, we're about to go into another Pachacuti, which is what started in... in um, well, I don't think it started in 49, but they said now it's time to come back, you know, bring this message that things are about to flip again. And we are in the middle of that Pachacuti right now. And the prophecy is that um, um, they will, uh, or we will, he, the human race will become homo luminous. So yes, we are in a time of transition and this is craziness with this idea that we're going to hit a new level um, on, the, on the other side. We don't know how, I don't know how long that, that is, but we're definitely in the middle of it. Yeah. And I can imagine that for us to become these luminous beings... We need this work to be done. We need this work to be done. Yeah. And we need this work to be done collectively and also as individuals. And if we are fragmented within our own selves, how can we be whole? Right. Um, which brings it this idea of soul retrieval. Right. So what exactly is a soul retrieval and how does it work? Uh, <clears throat> well, it starts with what I was talking about with the illumination. So we identify the that expression <clears throat> of a pattern um, that's not serving us and... We can't seem to kick it, regardless of meditation, regardless of therapy, regardless of ayahuasca ceremonies. That pattern is, um, again, ex expressing itself. And we need to, through the illumination process, is the foundational process, we need to remove the imprint, the affinity, and the energy. And in some cases... There's a, a, a soul part that has been fragmented, right? So a soul part through trauma, whether, again, whether it be this lifetime or previous lifetimes, we something bad happened to us or we perceived it as bad. And that soul part said, fuck this, I'm out of here. And and fragmented off and is in hiding in, in what, what would be called the lower world or the collective unconscious, however you want to look at it. And so, again, we start with the illumination, um, and then after, uh, as part of the illumination, we do a journey down into that lower world, the uh, collective unconscious, and we go to, <clears throat> first we go to the um, Hall of Wounds, wherein the person 
the shaman who's journeying sees what is the wound, what what happened, right? So there could be some context around it. Then we go to the Hall of Contracts and in our Chamber of Contracts, Hall, Chamber, I guess it doesn't matter, uh, Chamber of Contracts, wherein we see the um, soul contract that was put into place in the moment that that traumatic thing happened. And nine times out of, no, ten times out of ten, <laughs> that soul contract was horribly worded. As, as somebody who has received a soul retrieval recently, I can attest to the fact that I am currently a semantic uh, aficionado, if you will. <laughs> yeah. And wow, my soul contract was written terribly. Terribly. And, and so we, we find out what that, that soul contract was. Then we go to the uh, Chamber of Grace. And that's where the, fr- uh, the fragmented soul, that soul part, has been hanging out. And we... Um, say, hey, do you want to come back? And uh, are there any conditions? Does, does, does the person need to change something in their life before you come back? Or are you ready to go come back now? Um, can I have that discussion? Um, more than likely, they, they, it's ready to come back because it's, it's always wanted to be a part of the whole. <laughs> um, so we uh, find that, that soul piece in the... Um, the chamber of grace and then we we go into the chamber of um chamber of treasures and this is where uh we find the medicine gift for that <clears throat> for that's associated with that soul part and, and it's for that the person that, that's having the soul retrieval done and then on the way back uh from the lower world or collective unconscious um we ask for uh, a power animal and we, we bring that. So we're, we're bringing back <clears throat> um, to the person who's having this soul retrieval done, we give bring them back the context in which um, the wound, what happened, the contract, the poorly worded contract, the, uh, the soul, soul part itself, the gift, and a, and a power animal associated with it. So uh, there is some, some work that needs to be done by the, the person who's, who's receiving the soul retrieval. Um, they need to rewrite that contract, um, and this is this is this is a. It's important to point out this. This work is highly interactive. It's not like you show up and go, "All right, heal me," you know. Um, which I like it is very similar to the ayahuasca and plant medicine work uh, because there's a certain amount of um, you know doing one's part, and part, so part of this is. Uh, there's a process um, after the soul retrieval wherein um, work on the, the, the soul contract, but also finding out, asking questions of that soul part lost, of the, the gift, and um, of the power animal to fully understand how those work within within that person and it's the person who's actually coming up with those answers and it, but it's a, a shamanic process that you're guided through and that's part of what, what i do yeah. um it, it sounds in some ways i know it's different mm-hmm. but perhaps it's just different terminology 
the the Jungian principles of going into the shadow material and integrating the shadow right. into your your collective awareness mm-hmm. or your conscious awareness. It's going down and doing these little rural journeys to find that piece of yourself that has been lost to the shadows right. and bringing them back into the light of your conscious awareness and being more whole and complete going forwards yeah. and having an understanding of what are the gifts that that perceived to be the same part right. um, brings to you. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and it's, you know, it, it is important to point out that that's one of the wonderful things about Vildo Alberto Vildo in this course is he he does a wonderful job of bringing psychology and particularly Western psychology because we're from the West and um, put, put, putting a context around um, the shamanic portion of, of, uh, of this uh, of this work um, so it's, uh, and I think it's appropriate and it's been very, very helpful. Yeah. If you're operating in a world where you have no context uh, to even understand it, even if it's healing, you're still like, what the? Yeah. Yeah. So, all right. Let's say that you're working with a client who's, yeah. who's coming in. You've got these skill sets of, you know, Illumination, extraction, soul retrieval. Mm-hmm. How do you know which one to do? Right. Well, um, first, always, I prefer not to do just one-offs. You know, I prefer to be like, hey, let's do a series of five, you know, five to ten, something like that. And start off with the illumination. Um, and this is where... I've learned to to trust a spirit, God, whatever you want to call it, and that okay, we're with the idea that we're going to do say seven sessions. That with the intention of starting out with just the illumination and do some, maybe some extractions, um, and then progress to the soul retrieval, such that. <clears throat> Um, the the patterns that come to that person's mind will be appropriate for the session that we're doing. Does that make any sense? It does. So it's it, uh, it it's almost like I'll it's always the illumination's always the thing we start with. So at the end of the that said at the end of the illumination I'll be like all right what's next and I'll get a message check for X chord or check for um, uh, an energy or a tube um, or check for an entity or what have you. There, there's also in my conversations with the clients kind of some what they call tracking um, and just kind of f- feeling out intuitively, all right, what's what's going on here? Um, you know, if, if someone comes to me and, and says, yeah, about two years ago, um, I suddenly, <laughs> my behavior changed dramatically and I don't know what happened. I was a totally different way and um, uh, prior to that two-year mark and, you know, I don't know why. Then that kind of, that's a very overt um, 
<clears throat> indication that there may be an entity, a fluid entity, or, an, or a fluid energy, or an entity that needs to be removed, um, or um, you know, commentary about a relationship that just they feel like they're still really connected to that person in spite of them already uh, you know, having separated cord, you know, kind of, kind of cord, or, you know, uh, suddenly I've, I've lost my energy. And so that could be a, a tube, a feeding tube where something or someone is sucking energy off of them. Mm-hmm. Um, and then, uh, yeah, soul, soul retrieval also can be um, th- that just not feeling whole, like something's missing in my, you know, that, that kind of thing. So there is there's a combination um, of uh, intuition in the conversations with with the client and also uh, what I'm told to do uh, uh, as part of the session. It sounds very similar to listening to ayahuasca, so yeah. to speak, uh, where there's you're in your meditative posture and you're listening to the energy of the room. Mm-hmm. It's, something bigger than yourself that's guiding you through it. Yeah, yeah. and that and the guidance in an ayahuasca context is what is going to be sung next uh, or does that person need a direct healing and what kind of or direct work rather and what kind of work would that entail um, that messaging comes through in the ayahuasca ceremony as well. So given that there's this kind of higher guidance happening in both of these realms, the plant medicine world and the, the realm of the Kero and their mm-hmm. lineage. Have you given any thought or felt into how they might mix together? Yeah, <clears throat> I've actually a lot <laughs> thought. And um, one of my concerns early on, um, and I had an opportunity to ask Alberto Viodo directly, I, I asked if there was, you know, if we're doing sessions with a client do we need to wait or provide some space and time between the session, uh, the energy medicine session, and say ayahuasca or combo or a dieta? And um, he's like, nope, nope, no contraindication. And in fact, if you are the one running that ceremony, do it during the ceremony um, if it if it's appropriate. Um, so there's per and I and I've actually done some illuminations, some cord cutting. Um, I don't think I've done any extractions or soul retrievals during ceremony. Soul retrieval is a little... If I were doing a private ceremony for somebody, that would be cool. Um, it, but it takes, you know, soul retrieval process, soup to nuts is probably about two hours. So it's it's a bit much for a group ceremony. Um, possible, but uh, I think it would be more ideal. Uh, to do a private. So, but that said, things that I have um, thought that this would be really good for as it relates to plant medicine is doing uh, some sessions prior to a retreat. Why not clean those patterns out ahead of time? Um, and that would reduce the struggle uh, or, yeah struggle significantly such that the when so by doing some illuminations or uh, some sessions prior when they finally get to the ayahuasca ceremony or the dieta what have you they um 
it, it's more of a um, connection to the divine and a learning session with ayahuasca instead of a cleaning session with ayahuasca. <laughs> um, well, I love those cleaning sessions. Yeah. <laughs> um, and it's so that's one way. And then during during the retreat, if someone's coming up with like, oh, I got to work on this. It's like okay, well, let's let's do an illumination around it, or um, if we come across you know some uh, entity or uh, fluid energies, it's a great great way to do it because it's much less dramatic um, to do outside of ceremony than to do a, a, an entity extraction during ceremony. <laughs> I'm trying to imagine what that would feel like in the spaces that's happening, and yeah, and my. I would prefer to take care of entities prior to ceremony. Uh, that would be the ideal. Um, and then, in addition, one might go through a series of ayahuasca ceremonies or plantietas and go, hey, I, I went in with this intention to remove this pattern uh, or let go of this pattern is a better way to put it. Um, but it's not happening. Because I, I think, or I believe, and I through direct experience myself, that ayahuasca and plant medicine will do a lot of similar work, but there's still some stuff that's not going to get released uh, and the affinity removed just by doing the plant medicine work. Um, I think it's a uh, I, case in point. I I still had these imprints uh, and an entity <laughs> that needed to be removed um, even after thousands of uh, or over a thousand ceremonies and hundred yeah and, and it's not i don't believe what you're saying is that plant medicine work does not serve a benefit oh, i no, think it, you're far from saying that far from saying that in fact you know working with plant medicine can to your point provide clarity about what some of those patterns might be yeah, and do some pre-cleaning to get very specifically you know at least in my experience of uh, ayahuasca you get a felt sense of what that pattern is yeah. and what it feels like and if you need that felt sense to be able to go into the illumination process yep. you know even if you can't describe words to it at least you have the, the felt, feeling the feeling yeah. that's behind and that that's you hit on something really important and that is um for, it is not all that important that a client comes to me and is able to describe with words what the problem is. In fact, I would say the words <clears throat> are fall very short of what's really going on energetically, right? You just can't. It's it's just ineffable, right? Literally. Um, and so it's it's really important to be able to one identify the the, the problem or the pattern, to feel it. What does it feel like? Not what does it look like with words, um, but what does it feel like? And bring, to be able to bring that feeling to the surface for a moment as we begin the, the illumination session. Um, that is so important. And I think that's where we can run into um, it not working out. The, uh, is that there's some misunderstanding of what we're doing. Does that make sense in the in the illumination or extraction or the the uh, soul retrieval process? Uh, for example, and I, I don't mean to pick on this one person if they he listen to the podcast. Someone shows up and they're like, 
yeah, I've got this rash on my face. I'm like, okay. <laughs> that's, you know, that's a misunderstanding as to what this, this healing work is. That rash is a manifestation of some imprint, something energetic, some pattern, but we've got to figure out, a pa- we, we, we can only work with the pattern. Uh, if you have a rash, if you have uh, a broken arm, go see a doctor. Don't come see me. And this brings up a, a great point that has always been said to me, at least, about ayahuasca, which is ayahuasca is a diagnostic tool. Yes. And, and so you've got this rash on your face, you know, whether you're going down to have a dieta prescribed to you to look for what's going on, you go into that energy space and boom, this rash is related to this this pattern. Right. What do I do with this pattern? Well, what do you do with the pattern? But go get a cream for your your, your Your rash. Yeah, because it's gone to that point where, yes, that is a manifestation of energy. But we, but, and that needs some attention at the physical. (laughs) (laughs) You know, there is a pattern and that's, that this is where ayahuasca can be particularly helpful. And, um, because some awareness and even you know there there are going to be some people who have drunk ayahuasca who still haven't aren't able to really grok what we're doing but those that are and i to date i would say my uh, my hit the hit rate that i have uh, seen has been upward of uh, 80 90 percent which is crazy i mean i the, the results that i've seen are just like what are you kidding me? Um, super impressed. And I, I, I can't take credit. I'm just the guy who's in the middle, right? And, <laughs> and ultimately, it is the, I would say that it is the person uh, who is doing the healing themselves. I'm just helping facilitate the movement of energy, right? Letting, letting the lineage come through. It's restoring what has always been true about themselves, that that person is a complete, whole, luminous being. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So, a few more questions for you. Sure. Uh, You know, ayahuasca has been described as the vine of death or the vine of the soul. Mm -hmm. Um, And one of the things that you've mentioned in our conversations that I am curious to learn more about is the concept of death rites. Oh, right. Yeah, Yeah, so this is... um, And recently in an ayahuasca retreat, uh, it hit me how important it is these death rites are and how it, sounds, it seems like I there's a good chance I'll be doing them. And, we're, and it's just demographically in the United States, the population is getting older. So we're, you know, the, the, in the United States, there's going to be a lot of people passing um, appropriately, right? I mean, it's, it's time. Um, but so the death rites are helping people die consciously and helping their luminous uh, energy uh, body go to the the healing clinic in the sky <laughs> um, before they go on to, to, to greater things in the sky or come back for another round um, but it's so important to for people to die consciously um, to avoid getting stuck in some something akin to uh, purgatory right um 
disincarnate souls they exist and they usually they've died because they died in a scary environment or they are were uncomfortable with death and know how to how to deal with it as a just in general um, and so this process um, literally helps unscrew the luminous energy body from the physical body and helps it move onward um, at the appropriate time. Does that make sense? It, it does. You know, my, my grandmother passed away recently mm. and I remember talking to my mom and my mom is not into chakra systems or anything yeah. like that. But as she was describing what my grandma was feeling, uh-huh. I was like, Oh, there's root chakra. There's sacral, and there was this opening and expansion that was happening. Yeah, and it sounds like you're describing that there's a a facilitation process, uh, which other cultures have too. Yeah, you know, the Tibetans have them. Absolutely. The Egyptians have them. Yeah. Um, and so it's a, another mannerism of helping people transition. Yeah, yeah. So um, yeah, those those are the death rites, and um, as I said. It's going to be something that I'm going to be offering, um, I, it, it, and it's and it sounds, I think, to the mainstream a little morbid, but I, it, maybe not. It, it, my understanding, having never been in the presence of death, um, but those who have volunteered for hospice work talk about how beautiful it is, um, particularly if it's done well, mm-hmm. and. Yeah, that transition is uh, supposedly amazing. Uh, I've had I've had some instances where I opportunities had I pushed it to to be there, but I couldn't for one reason or the other. But it sounds like that might be changing for me here in the future. Mm-hmm. Good luck on that road. The uh, it's it's important work. Yeah. You know. There's the traumatic death experiences that I think many people are familiar with and those times of passing with ease it would be nice to I think hold a a sacred space for that yeah exactly so with that said you know what exactly are you planning to do with this modality how are you going to use it how are you going to share it yeah um so Right now, immediately, and the reason for this podcast is to offer out um, to our community um, these sessions um, on a on a purely donation basis, um, and so the the sessions are, and frankly, I would just say they're sessions because. Um, We'll, we'll start off with the illumination process and uh, immediately do the illumination process, uh, do some cord cutting, removing of crystallized energy or uh, uh, entity if necessary or fluid energies um, and cutting cords and tubes. That immediately in the first few sessions and then uh, work our way up to um, soul retrieval. Um, uh, or silver tree bowls, and again, I, I offer this to people who are coming to any of our retreats um, prior to. Uh, during's a little harder because we tend to be busy, but it's possible. Um, and then post, it can be a really good 
uh, integration tool, like as we we're talking about recognizing a pattern, but having a tough time releasing that pattern. Um, so that often comes after an ayahuasca retreat is that recognition of the pattern. And so we can help um, do that. And so that's, that's going to be immediately. Um, so if you're coming on retreat, uh, let me know if you want a session prior to, or if you are just out there and don't have plans for a retreat and you want to do some sessions, um, that's great. Again, uh, purely donation basis. Yeah, I, people ask, well, how much? It'd be great. Anything between fifty and two hundred bucks per session, um, you know, uh, is depending on your ability and and, and so forth. Um, would be great. And then um, I'm working on the website, um, which will be. Um, mymedicinejourney.com uh, the, the name that's the URL but the name's going to probably be something different um, yeah so I'm working on the website and going to integrate it um, with probably offering uh, these sessions and, and sound healing and maybe combo um, to the public but uh, there might be some plant medicine Private plant medicine work is part of that. You know, one as an aside, um, when I had one of the personally the great ways that I use this work uh, in association with plant medicine is I found out about the relative attached to me, the entity attached to me, just as I was going into an aho sacha dieta. So I made that my intention throughout the aho sacha dieta is to help this entity move on, and. At the end, literally the day that I ended that dieta, um, I had my session with uh, Kira, who did the did the uh, extraction, and it was super smooth. She's like, "Oh my god, that was so easy!" And I, I attribute that to the dieta uh, mm-hmm. and having that intention throughout the dieta made things a lot easier, loosened things up, so to speak. So the point being is, is I do see some uh, opportunities and possibilities of uh, bringing the two together on a more private basis. Um, yeah yeah and selfishly I'm I'm looking forward to jumping in there with you um, on the coaching side cause but uh, speaking of which on the, co- on the uh, coaching yeah. Co- coaching side maybe even Jinky's side but that's yeah. further down the road um, because you know this what we've talked about in regards to how you know plant medicine can help you get clarity about the felt sense of the patterns and other mm-hmm. things like that yeah. you know once that pattern is released, and I've seen it in the work that you've done, it's like poof. Yeah, it's gone. It's, it's, it's weird, weird and miraculous. There's yeah. no other word for it but miraculous. Yeah. Um, and sometimes there's resistance to figuring out what exactly that pattern is and doing some real world, yeah, physical life work before going into the energetic. That's very true. Yeah, so, there, so all the, the physical, like if you're eating a shitty diet um, and it's, you know, you're eating gluten and seed oils and and, um, it, and that's fogging up your brain, you're just not, it's going to affect your willingness to, on the psychological side, let go of that pattern. Um, two is you're probably not seeing that pattern correctly and your feeling of that pattern may be off as well. 
And so th these, these modalities are totally connected. And so we do need to get them all in alignment. Um, uh, we don't discount the physical, particularly the foundational nutrition diet and uh, taking care of oneself on a, on a daily basis. Absolutely necessary. Yeah, and, and that attachment to those things or the mm -hmm. lack of clarity, it's not even necessarily conscious. Yeah. It is the crazy dynamic to me. It's, you know, I'm holding on to this. I don't know why I'm holding on to it. I can't see it. I yeah. can't feel it. Well, great. You can't release it from the energetic level if you don't know w what that feeling, feeling is. Yeah. And the behaviors that you're doing are still in motion. So let's go in there and poke around a little bit. Exactly. Um, yeah. Yeah, that, that's a super good point that um, it's the times that that the results have been kind of like meh. Um, again, by far a minority of cases. Um, there, again, I think there's a misunderstanding of what what is the pattern, what is the feeling um, something's getting in the way of that understanding and, and it could be nutrition, diet and or exercise. Um, they're very much connected. Absolutely. So, but before we go, I know we're, we're getting into an hour mm -hmm. now. Um, I wanted to ha have you share some of your, cause it's easy oh, for boy. me to sit here and talk about the stuff because I'm the one who's doing it. I'm kind of promoting myself, but, um, your your experiences because um, yeah. we've done you've done th you said three illuminations and one soul retrieval right? yeah and I mean the soul retrieval happened most recently mm -hmm. so maybe I'll talk about that yeah um, but I mean I've had this pattern of well I have a lot of patterns <laughs> um, one of which is the ability to overcomplicate things, mm -hmm. add infinitum. Mm -hmm. uh, but what was coming up most recently was, you know, there's this expansion of, of consciousness and awareness that is happening. Mm -hmm. And then as it's happening, something comes in. And I know what it felt like um, that would just divert it. Mm -hmm. And it would divert it down a path of scarcity is the primary outlet that it had mm -hmm. and the way that that would manifest had a broad mm -hmm. arrangement of looks. Uh, but I was like, okay, it, it's not scarcity. Scarcity is not necessarily the, mm -hmm. the feeling that's there. It's prior to the scarcity, there's this feeling of initial contraction right. when the opening is happening. And I talked with you about it and got down to this point and I was like, okay, let's, let's go hit that feeling. It's like, I can't fully describe it. And you're like, you don't have to fully describe it. Can you feel it? Mm -hmm. I was like, yes. So I felt it, went into the illumination and through the illumination, I start feeling better and also not to bolster my own self-awareness, I'm decently aware of what's happening in my body. Mm -hmm. And so Zach started pointing to this point on my 
collarbone kind of trapped Trap- areas. Yeah. Yeah. And I was like, yep, there's, I feel whatever is there. Yeah. <laughs> and he ended up extracting it. Yeah. And it was, his description of it was kind of like a, a scythe. Yeah. Uh, and he pulled it out. And when he pulled it out, I felt this other portion of my rib cage just respond and be like, there's something, something here. Yeah. <laughs> uh, it's like his, his action <laughs> yeah, over here. <laughs> there, there's something. And that was on your rib cage. Yeah. Your left yeah rib the cage. left rib cage. So it was right collarbone, left rib cage. Yeah. Um, kind of an energetic channel going over and through my heart. Yeah. Uh, and so he pulls out this kind of rod. rod. Yeah. And as an aside, these are crystallized energies, which means they're energies that have been in your field for a long, long time and such that they become hardened and they turn into things like scythes, knives, or swords that have been, or spears that have been stuck in you or stakes or what have you. Yeah, it's, it's weird. <laughs> true. It's weird. <laughs> um, so we go into the... The pull those, retrieval. Pull yeah. those out. Yeah. Pull those out. He's he cleans them off just like any good doctor. You gotta you know clean the wounds after you. Yeah. Do them. Fills them with light. I'm feeling this light channel running between those two points, mm. and we go into the soul, soul retrieval. Yep. Yeah. And you know. I don't know if I've ever had anybody else drum for me. Uh-huh. Like I've gone on my own drum journeys and I've led people through drum journeys where they're, where I'm just playing the drum, but they're the ones journeying. Right. So this was a new experience for yeah. me. I was like, and to be clear, I, the, whoever's in this case, uh, Michael was the client and I was doing the journey. So I am the one who goes down into the underworld, um, or the collective unconscious to, to find all this stuff out. Michael is just hanging out, listening to me drum. It's There's no singing or anything like that. But Michael ended up going on a journey anyway, right? Yeah, because I figured there's a drum. I might as well go see what's <laughs> happening. <laughs> and so where's the first place that you go to? It's the... the oh, the womb? first chamber? Yeah, it's the chamber of the womb. Chamber, chamber of wounds. Yeah. And so I go into my drum journey process and I'm going down and I end up in this place and it's like a knot in the tree of life mm-hmm. and it's decaying mm-hmm. and there's all these little grubs eating it and cleaning it but it it was essentially a wound uh-huh. in the tree of life which uh-huh. I'm like this is interesting then we went kept on going down and it was like a I was in a vein, uh-huh. and I was just like, I don't know what this vein thing is, uh-huh. um, but I'm kind of used to it, so <laughs> just keep going with it, see what happens. Then I popped out into this field, and it's just like, very pretty field, uh-huh. like, really lovely, and it's like, great, what does this mean? <laughs> and I was just getting nothing, uh-huh. um, which is different from my usual drum journeys. Um, Then I got some messages and got a little bit of clarity, but I was like, this is not my normal experience. And then all of a sudden the drumming was over and I was back into the conscious awareness. And 
what Zach found resonated with me, and I was a little bit shocked. And, um, and I, I'm always shocked what I come out with. It's like, really? Like, yeah. Oh, well, and so it just sounds so weird talking about it. Yeah. It was like in a, a past life, um, I guess it was Victorian yeah. England era, yeah. and I was skillful with my words, which allowed me to date above my station. My station. Yes. And I was dating this girl and really liked her, wanted to marry her. And I think she said yes. Uh, yeah, my sense was yeah. that everything was a go except for the, the, the brother and the family. And yeah. Like, no fucking way. And, and so <laughs> the brother of this woman and I guess the family, well, you know, they were Victorian, England, upper class society people. And he was like, well, you can't do that. You're not a high enough station no. to marry my sister. I'm going to challenge you to a duel. I couldn't even get a proper weapon for the duel and died. Um, I don't know. I didn't or, or see that. You definitely got hurt. I, I was damaged and hurt, and the contract that I ended up writing mm-hmm. was I cannot have my love until I am at a higher station. Which, thinking about it from Michael's perspective in this reality, that's such a shittily worded contract. (laughs) (laughs) Um, It's like, well, one, who is my? Um, Is it like God's? If I am God, is it God? I cannot have God's love until I'm at a higher station? Oh, (laughs) that explains this you got to do better, keep on looking, scarcity, mindset, dynamic. Cause Whether it be financial, good educational, enough. spiritual, what have yeah. you, you're constantly going to be... Yeah. Climb, 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 be yeah. better, be better, be better. Yeah. Um, and apparently the guy, this fragmented soul piece that had aged so beautifully, uh, was just like... This wise poet, very eloquent, but succinct in his speech, hanging out in the field. Um, seemed apparently like he was having a really good time. Yeah, yeah, he was fun. He's in his, he was only like mid-twenties. and Yeah, I mean, they don't, the soul parts don't age, but, or not necessarily. I can't, I can't say that definitively, but, but anyway. They gain knowledge. <laughs> it appears to me, at least. Yeah. Um, in that time away, there's a gift that gets developed. Yeah. Uh, and the the gift was a crystal ball, and so so yeah. After after the chamber of uh, grace. grace, which is where the soul part is, then you go to the chamber of treasures, which is where the gift is. Yeah, and and my gift was this really lovely crystal ball Um, and at the moment I was like I don't know what this means great thank you Um, and my spirit animal totem was a cheetah I was like a cheetah? like the cheeto character? no (laughs) it's it's like a cheetah Um, and so afterwards you know we're going through the 
integration process. integration process and embodying these gifts and asking them questions and there there I noticed this theme yeah. through each of them which was simplicity uh-huh. uh, kind of a sense of ease uh-huh. and focus uh-huh. and balance or, or open generosity I don't know how to fully describe it so I'm looking afterwards I'm kind of doing my integration homework I'm like okay well let me go look up cheetah medicine <laughs> it's like well cheetahs work in bursts they're very focused when they do work and they have to figure out how to balance between time on time off the cheetah, for what it's worth, got put into my heart. Mm-hmm. and It got installed in his heart chakra. Heart chakra. Yeah. And uh, cheetahs generate their energy from their heart. And I was oh. like, that's interesting. Mm-hmm. I know nothing about cheetahs other than they run fast. Yeah. And, <laughs> and they're, uh, they're the only big cat mm-hmm. that can't roar. Uh, right, they purr. They purr. And so the, at least what I was reading was indicating, look, don't try to compete with other people's roars. Mm. Like, your gift is to evoke and use the purr and the sweetness of emotions in like clear, concise, mm. essentially poetry, mm-hmm. um, to bring people out. Uh-huh. Um and when you're going after things, just wait. Don't try to compete with these other dynamics. It's about timing. Mm. And at the right time, burst of effort, yeah. relax, recover. Burst of effort, relax, recover. Um, and so then I look at this crystal and I'm doing my crystal shopping. Crystal ball shopping. Crystal ball shopping. I, I wanted to have a representation of it in real life. And uh, started looking at it. And it's the same dynamics. Tranquility, focus, clarity, hmm. peace, grace. I'm like, what the heck? Oh, yeah. um, and since then, I can feel a subtle shift that uh-huh. has, has occurred and continues to unfold. Yeah. Um, so it's been great. Well, it is relatively soon afterwards. It, yeah, it ex- they, they talk about, just for the people who are interested and might do a sessions with us, or with me, um, it can take uh, a lunar cycle for full integration. Um, and during that time, some of the patterns can get louder, so that, um, not always, um, sometimes they just drop away. It's just like, what happened? I don't know. There, there are some illumination sessions, several of them. I don't even remember what they were for. Like... It, my practice partners and I, that I received the sessions from, we talk about it. And we're like, yeah, do you remember what your last illumination was about? No, I can't. What was it? I can't remember. <laughs> because it's so, it's so gone, you know? It's oh. crazy. Um, it, it's pretty, pretty darn cool. Um, well, as we wrap up, yes. I have one last question for you, oh. which is, what is the most important thing that you have learned in this journey with the Four Wind Society? Oh, wow! I mean, it's 
I would say the biggest thing was um, getting put back into kindergarten, or realizing I'm in kindergarten forever, you know, when it comes to this stuff. Um, that getting back to beginner's mind, mm-hmm. um, you know, having done so much work um, in the uh, plant medicine world, and I would hope that I never got to big for my britches in that sense but at the same time there there might have been some confidence that was uh, not overly appropriate I don't know I don't know how to put it I don't, I don't think I got like I said too big for my britches per se but um, but going through this process has kind of put me back in beginner's mind and it's been wonderful mm-hmm. um, and it, it just understanding that going through the medicine wheel that um, I was only partially through it. Um, and I had no, I didn't even have the concept of the medicine wheel very, to, it was, just wasn't part of the, the mestizo lineage that I trained under. And uh, I would say that I had moved halfway through it. And I would, and that's, that's normal. I mean, that's, that's shamans, uh, many shamans do just kind of go partway through the medicine wheel and they, they specialize in an area of the medicine wheel that uh, uh, is appropriate for them. And it's great. They do a great service at that level. Um, the medicine wheel conversation is a big one. Maybe we'll, we'll talk about it in a different con- uh, podcast, but it's essentially, um, yeah, it's just levels of, of, of learning. Mm. Um, yeah, that's that's the that's a future podcast. That is a future <laughs> podcast. Um, and yeah, so um, putting the invitation to anyone out there who's part of our, our community um, or happens to be listening to this podcast, we don't actually have a huge audience, so that's why. <laughs> Where can listeners find you? Uh, I'm at this point because I'm still working on the website. The website will be out no later than middle of April. Um, at that time, it'll be uh, mymedicinejourney.com. But for now, if you're wanting to uh, do this kind of work with me, uh, the email to reach out to is zpoitra at gmail.com. That's Z as in zebra, P as in Paul, O-I, T as in Tom, R-A, at gmail.com. That's, <laughs> Michael's laughing, but that's what I say every time I t- spell my last name. I've heard it so many times on the telephone. Yes. Um, <laughs> yeah. Well, everybody, thank you for coming. Thank you for staying. Thank you for listening. Uh, oh, and oh, and if you want to check out similar content on uh, SoundCloud, it's uh, Heal Your Tribe on SoundCloud, and then our combo and sound healing stuff is at healyourtribe.com. Thank you. Bye.